Welcome to another exciting and elucidating episode of the OmniTalk Spotlight Series. I'm your host, Chris Walton. And I'm Ann Mazinga. And we are the founders of OmniTalk, the fast-growing retail media outlet that is all about the companies, the technologies, and the people that are coming together to shape the future of retail. Or as we like to say, the retail media organization that focuses on tomorrow today. And today we are once again bringing back one of our favorite guests. Oh, yes. I'm super excited. Are you thrilled? Uh, yes. I haven't, we haven't spoken to her since almost a year ago, and that's much too long, in my opinion. Yes, yes. And I'm talking about none other than the former CEO of 1010 Data, now the CEO at Tools Group, a woman so popular, she could probably just go by her first name, Ina. Yes. Ina Kuznetsova. Welcome back to OmniTalk. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Anne. I'm excited to be back. Oh, you know, we cannot wait. We, it's like we it said, smile to my face, I know yeah. it does. We were just like reminiscing about our, our last interview at manifest, um, and all of the great conversation that we had there. Um, I want to know though, you know, how have you been since then? And tell us a little bit about your new role now at tools group. So I have switched from uh, tent and data to tools group. And I started, on the very last day of May uh, this year. So it's been now five months as I'm okay. in role. And I have succeeded the founder and CEO of almost 30 years, wow. uh, which was oh, wow. a very interesting transition for us to plan. And we're both very happy with the results. Um, Tools Group uh, is uh, the company that makes supply chain the force for good. We are providing artificial intelligence-based solutions for optimizing supply chain and creating an easy navigation end-to-end. And what this navigation word means is actually very important. Uh, like when you're driving and you put Waze on or Google yes. Maps, and your road is optimized by multiple engines behind the interface that you see, and it's easy and it's based on a common view of data end-to-end. Hmm. And if there is a disruption, and you know about it early enough, your route will be just re-optimized and you can continue listening to music or a podcast. I listen to podcasts. I listen to Omnitalk when I drive. <laughs> and, I love how you always say that every time we bring yes. you on. Yes. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, but if, if the disruption is so big or it's so close, then you get the decision support, right? You get mm-hmm. which of the bad options mm-hmm. seem to be the best, but in the end of the day, you can make the decision. This is very similar to what we do for supply chain and tools group. Uh, we provide multiple optimizations for replenishments, for inventory management. We provide all the navigation from financial planning in retail or SNP in manufacturing and distribution all the way to plan your replenishments, assortments, um, price and promotion. And the goal is to get you a very smooth automated optimization of inventory management that can work on top of different platforms that is provided as software as a service. And we just launched a new product, Inventory Hub, which provides that end-to-end data visibility across all your ERPs and all your uh, uh, all, all, all your um warehouses. So um, you can tell how excited I am about what we do. And that that was actually the reason why I switched. I was very happy in 1010. We did some very cool things with the data analytics, but uh, Tools Group uh, investors and the company offered me an opportunity to bring two of my passions together, artificial intelligence and supply chain. And right, and that's and that was an unbeatable combination, especially when I thought about the next three years, 
when every single supply chain needs to be re-optimized and redesigned and rewired for much more flexibility and faster response to external conditions. And this is exactly what Tools Group does. So I really would like to be a part of this journey with as many companies as I can. So that's why I switched. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, for those for those that maybe are tuning in for the first time here, our conversation with you, I think this is the third time we've had you on the show. You're pretty steeped in supply chain knowledge, like your background goes way, way back too. I mean, you talked about why you were excited to join the tools group, but I'd love to, for you to share a little bit about your background and then, you know, maybe double click in there and tell us what what specifically about tools group is, it has excited you or captivated you in that way, given your background. So uh, my claim to, to fame, being the first Russian-born global vice president of IBM, where I spent almost 20 years, and um, I had multiple roles in sales and marketing and mergers and acquisitions and general management, I ran Linux for a while, mostly focus on uh, growth and um, uh, sometimes opportunities or businesses that stumbled and need to come back and turn around back to growth. And it was a very exciting journey. And I knew very well that whenever I sell a server, it will materialize in the right spot, right? That's what salespeople think. Right. So one day a recruiter showed up and described an amazing opportunity to me, managing 1,500 people organization in a $9 billion company. Uh, it was a sales organization in a very bad shape, in need of turnaround. Business services, not a competitive IBM, in fact, a partner and provider of IBM. And I just couldn't say no. And he conveniently forgot to mention that the company was in logistics. <laughs> he conveniently so, forgot well, to mention. <laughs> right. So when we had our discussion about my background and in solution selling and fighting commoditization and creating value, he says, da-da, the name is civil logistics. And I tried not to look too stupid. I wanted to say too blonde, but perhaps <laughs> not be appropriate in a folk on their webcasts. I said, then what is logistics? <laughs> and interestingly enough, um, the CEO of the company said, I have 50,000 people who know logistics in depth. So I don't have anyone who knows how to manage global accounts and create CRM-based forecasting and all the rest of the great things you do in IBM. So if you are interested to learn supply chain, it will mean a lot for you and for the industry. And I, I'm always interested to learn. And it's my, my learning started during the interview process when I walked a warehouse and they wow. tried to make it a recruiting experience and showed me a fantastically optimized warehouse that performed very interesting services, packaging cell phones and some very complicated equipment. And of course, never being in logistics, I could not appreciate a lot of it. But what I did appreciate was when they said, we'll show you a really great innovation. And there is this yellow bar that goes across the door yeah. And when the bar is down, the truck doesn't back into the door. I said, okay, and what's the innovation? Because I come from this world where innovation means bits and bytes and artificial right. intelligence and energy savings and huge speeds and amazing visualization. And they say, well, you know, we usually had three doses smashed a year, 20,000 euros each. And each bar is 200 euros one for a bar. So I said, you know, with this return on investment, it's really a great innovation. And perhaps I have something to learn yes. from a different industry, right? And um, that was the beginning of my journey and the fascination with the innovation in process. 
So my other uh, surprise, of course, was how little technology penetrated logistics at that point. Right. And of course, right. we're much better now, 10 years later, that was in uh, 12 or 11. But there's still quite a big room for us to grow. So after we turn around the company to growth and I survived three CEOs and I started missing IT really bad, I went to work for several companies bringing technology into supply chain. So that's what I've been doing for the last 10 years at, as a president of Intra and CEO of Tent and Data. I've been bringing technology into the various areas of supply chain, trying to make supply chain the force for good. Well, you know, I want to I want to go into that a little bit more deeply. I loved one of the things I love about talking to you is that you do have this this background steeped with so much knowledge, and then you're able to give us an example, like the Ways example about what Tools Group is able to help. Yeah, exactly. Like just to kind of help us understand how Tools Group is helping the retail partners that you're working with, but. I, you know, we're hearing a lot about supply chain issues. It's a very common topic of discussion. Um, I'm curious from your perspective with all of your experience and background, what would you say are the real and supply chain issues that are impacting retailers right now? Like what are they facing that um, that's impacting them the most? So as in Tolstoy's novel, every retailer is unhappy in their own way. Mm -hmm. And those who have uh, automated their supply chain planning and merchandising planning probably fare better than others and fight the bull with effect much better. Mm -hmm. But in a nutshell, every single retailer has to face uh, the situation with shipping, the situation with sourcing. And uh, the, the fact that the demand from the consumers goes up and down with all the changes, market conditions, right? So we've talked a lot all through pandemics, how the demand change, right? Office furniture jumping up 75% in demand and then crashing down because everyone have already put enough in their offices, right? And games going up and uh, charges for the phones going 30% down during pandemics because we stopped losing them during traveling or in, or, or in gyms, right? Mm -hmm. But even post-pandemics, we still see the changes in the demand. And those changes now are based a lot on the inflation. They are based a lot on um, a lot of people going back to the office to work. Uh, they are based on the political situation and sometimes desire to provide help to refugees and donate money as opposed to consuming things. And for a large part of population, as I said, it's just the inflation and the rise of the prices that really drives demand from more expensive to less expensive categories. At the same time, we've seen a tremendous change in sourcing. Uh, the geopolitical events, uh, most of semiconductors are produced in Taiwan. Right. And of course, semiconductors are key, not just to electronics, but for the car industry, right? Gases like neon are produced in Russia and Ukraine. Food products produced in Russia and Ukraine. Um, all of those items create issues throughout the supply chains, right? So the sourcing become an issue. Um, another part with the sourcing of the sourcing is related to shipping. Every time there is uh, a COVID case in China that leads to closing a few blocks or a few factories or a few cities, we experience a massive delay in shipping. Mm. So I'll just give you a very simple illustration. I talked to a couple of our customers 
who are in cosmetics business, and all of them see a fantastic demand, right? There is a great demand for lipstick. First of all, we've all missed wearing lipstick, wearing masks. Well, Chris, I know you did not, but... (laughs) (laughs) He's more of a lip balm type of person, if that, if we can get him to Yeah, right. But uh, but there is also there is also a so-called lipstick effect that I know some business schools study when mm-hmm. uh, inflation when starts when the right. prices go down uh, women spend less on apparel uh, and more on um, uh, cosmetics right because it's a cheaper way to change our look and get us something new to feel good about us yep. this is just one example I'm sure there. Lots of examples from uh, um, other areas, but the demand is strong. And even some of our customers who moved production to their own countries and depend less on the shipping of the products from overseas, experience issues with such simple things as packaging materials that are still shipped out of China. And this small example illustrates uh, like in a drop of water, what is going on globally, right? Mm -hmm. The demand has changed. The sourcing and um, the supply and the shipping problems create a problem with supply. And as a result, uh, the company struggles to meet the necessary service levels. And the last thing I will add is that uh, we just did a survey uh, of our customers in fashion, apparel, and um, home goods and electronics about uh, what is going on. And what we found out was that Depending on the sector, 28 to 36% of customers lose trust in the brand to have products on the shelves. And after two to three stockouts, in other words, you come into the store and your brand is not there, the customers switch the stores, right? 20% of customers will go to another store if they don't find what they're looking for. It's not in CVS, they go to Walgreens. So of course, it's very important for the retailers to keep the trust of the brand and supply chain becomes much more than a cost center today. The supply chain becomes the way to differentiate the company, to differentiate the chain, to create that trust and connection with the customer and to bring in more revenue. And I think uh, that probably summarizes what the retailers are going through. Got it. Got it. Yeah. And I want to go back to something you said at the beginning too, where you said that you think the companies that are investing in automating their, their forecasting and their planning uh, areas of expertise are probably <laughs> succeeding more so than those that aren't. Mm-hmm. So, you know, one question for me, and I've always been kind of an allocation wonk, you know, going back to my days at the Gap and even at Target, and I don't know if you knew that, but it probably doesn't surprise you no. one bit. Um, <laughs> you know, there's always, the, there's always the difference or the gap between forecasting the total level need and then allocating it down to the store level correctly. So I'd love to know from your expertise, how do you think about that? And how does what you do at the tools group or, or the, the software solutions that you, that you have, how does that help retailers piece apart the issues that are related to each of those activities? There are two ways that we help with this. The primary way, of course, is to plan your locations right in the first place. Tools group has uh, a probabilistic uh, model, which means that we predict uh, the we forecast how many numbers of how many items at what store do you need at what time. And we factor in a variety of risks as you go, daily updating this forecast with the help of machine learning. So even the small risks that you may not yet um, articulate and visualize, but they're already impacting the number of products you sell, already start factoring themselves in, right? And provide for the most accurate forecasting in the industry. 
uh, we're very proud of our forecasting capabilities. Uh, we're especially proud in providing that help to customers who have a, a long, long tail of products that may not be sold very often, right? There are, you can imagine a lot of areas in electronics, in fashion, in um, uh, outer parts, aftermarket, you may have some items that may not be sold daily, right? Or even every week. And those items are not distributed in a normal way. Mm -hmm. And they do not succumb to normal distribution, right, in mathematical terms. So you have to use a different mass to predict how many items will be sold. And if you use normal distribution, as most people do, you will over-forecast or under-forecast. And over-forecasting uh, the items that do not sell often is very dangerous because you lock a lot of working capital in this right. item, especially if you have a long tail of thousands of those items. So this is how we help our retailers in the most frequent way. But we provide the second level of support. And that second level of support is um, in dynamic fulfillment. Hmm. So when uh, manufacturers replenish uh, what they need, they replenish from the same warehouse, right? If I would go to Anne's warehouse to replenish, for my part, your plant may stop. But for retailers, the most important thing is to move the product and to move the product as fast as you can before you have to depreciate and discount the product. Right. So imagine, Chris, that you buy a T-shirt uh, online and we need to fulfill your order. And uh, there are several different places on the network that we can fulfill it, right? And there is a warehouse that is probably the closest to you. And then the store that's just a little bit further. And then the third store, which is further, but not dramatically further. But you can say the shipping cost probably is very obvious, right? The closer the distance, the better, the best cost I have. What you may not be taking into an account is that that t-shirt will be discounted 50% tomorrow in that other store, right. in the very further one. So you would rather pay a little bit for shipping, but you would sell that t-shirt, fulfill that t-shirt before it gets discounted. And the probability of the items get discounted depend on a variety of factors, right? Different zip codes, different demands, different, uh, different speed of moving the same product. So the dynamic fulfillment uh, is another product that we provide to our retailers. And uh, even if you have not completely satisfied the inventory management requirements, you still have that second chance uh, to recoup some of the uh, some of the differences. Right. It helps. Yeah, it helps defray the risk that you have with anything wrong up, upstream. That makes sense. But it, it sounds like this is where the ways like analogy comes back into play here, yeah. where you have to be able to like reroute right away. It's not like something that you can you can stop and then do a new strategy. It's like I need to know immediately in real time what the best case exactly. is or what the best direction yeah, it's is always going. dynamic. Yeah. It's dynamic and it's based on your full visibility of data, right? Because you have to have your, all your data at your fingertips across multiple systems to, to be able to make that decision. Exactly. Well, you know, what are who are some some of the the case studies or retailers you can share with us who are benefiting from you know having this this dynamic uh, platform of the tools group that they can they can work through and work off of. So we have a large number of retailers who ask us not to name them because they see us as the brain of supply chain and a hero. Right. Point of differentiation, right? Yeah. Yes. But you uh, mentioned well, earlier, and, like and apparel, very, cosmetics. Right. And it's very important for them because, you know, for example, we've been working with a very large uh, footwear company uh, mm -hmm. with all okay. thousand stores. 
And oh. we implemented the system in less than six months. They were using 12 different systems before. Wow. And over uh, Black Friday, our forecast differs from what their original forecast says. And kudos to them. They took a risk and they believed our forecast. And they ended up selling 2 million more pairs of footwear on the Black Friday. So they recouped all the costs of the system in one day, right? Well, you yes, know, I have really great stories around that, but uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, can you tell us a little bit about, you know, six months is a, quite a quick turnaround to be able to, you know, do something, especially around the holidays, around Black Friday timing or for yeah. Black Friday. Um, what What's involved in that for a retail partner once they have that first meeting with you? So uh, we have uh, a group of supply chain experts uh, in the company who work on our services organization and also have very deep supply chain expertise in custom experience organization. Okay. And um, our goal, even though we're a SaaS company, so the product is written and designed for fast implementation and it provides for a lot of um, configurability. And in some rare cases, we can discuss customization, but we prefer just to configure the product. But for example, you can, you have several hundred different filters to optimize, right? To, yeah. to run your, uh, your machine learning by optimizing your, your outcomes. Of course, for someone who just sees the product for the first time, it will be complex. So we would assign a supply chain expert who would set the product specifically to the requirement of the particular company and work with the company and make sure that we measure our outcome on the results achieved and that that we really get get those results. Um, our, we have some very big customers uh, like JCPenney. Mm. Uh, we also have uh, a lot of smaller retailers, uh, but very well-known names like Kiko Milano. Uh, we work with uh, some of luxury brands. Uh, and at the same time, we work with companies like um, ERE, who does, who creates uh, logged merchandise mm -hmm. for variety of vendors from Ford and NASCAR to lots of others. Uh, one of the interesting uh, customers I love mentioning when we talk about fashions uh, would be very surprising to you, and it is Harley-Davidson. Oh. Huh. Harley-Davidson is a big customer of ours, and of course, everybody thinks, oh, you're optimizing uh, the, the spare parts and uh, parts uh, for production, and of course we do. Yeah. But uh, very few people realize that Harley-Davidson has another business, which is the logo merchandise for yep. the big fandom, right? For the great yeah. community of Harley-Davidson riders. And the complexities associated with planning that supply chain are enormous because they sell online, they sell through the dealers, they have men and women sizes, they have different, you know, more clothes and more open helmets, they have... Uh, shirts and t-shirts and jackets and of course fashion changes and right. the lead time in fashion today is enormous so being able to plan and update that forecast daily becomes uh, very vital oh man the fashion changes for harley davidson motorcycle riders huh i didn't know that well i mean <laughs> i feel kidding. i feel like that's i i am not like being being in the merchandising team at harley davidson can you imagine going from parts to you know baby onesies <clears throat> with the harley davidson logo no, on it like that would be, be such a such a complex thing you definitely yeah. need tools group for that, yeah, right. <laughs> that situation yeah. do you want the yeah. orange jacket or the... innovates innovates all around and they bring us right. from the field with the right backgrounds with the backgrounds and merchandise 
in the fashion and um and uh, it's a it's an old company and continuously innovating company so one of yeah. those customers that you always love visiting yeah those are some great examples you gave us so you know last question let's get you out of here on this so you've been you've been at the tools group now for like roughly six months give or take i think you said five so you know you know, can hem or hop five or six months, whatever we want to call it. So what in your mind as the CEO, where's the low hanging fruit? Where do you, what are your priorities and where do you plan to take things next? So one of the first things that we have done since I joined was creating the customer experience group. I talked mm. to about 20 different customers. I actually visited our customers with huge, amazing warehouses and plants that take two plane flights to get to, sometimes to the airport with four flights a day, but they have amazing, very interesting enterprise. And uh, talking to many of them, I found out that uh, for a lot of our customers who have started the journey of optimizing inventory management during pandemic, there is a big change uh, coming up post-pandemic. A lot of, there is a high rotation around planners. There are difficulties to hire people post-pandemic. Right. And most of all, there are lots of, lots of changes with the demand and sometimes supplies and sometimes sourcing that requires looking again at the software. Was it is it implemented right? Is it used as designed? New people come in and they're not always comfortable making that decision as the footwear retail I told you about made, right? Saying my gut feeling says it's one number, but the software says the other number. And I go with the software, I go with the automation. And of course, turning off machine learning is the best thing you can think of, you know, the worst thing, right? Because you right. lose days of learning, right? So um, we created a group that actually works with our customers who already implemented, who already our loyal customer to help them to re-optimize the system, to train their uh, employees, or maybe train people who are new, maybe establish office hours, and uh, really help, uh, really help the customers to make sure that they get the business value out of this of the software. Right, that's our biggest goal, and I think it's uh, the step that has paid off, and I think it's the step that uh, helped us to develop much closer relationship to our top clients, and we're very proud of it. Um, we created a business partner organization, and we found out an enormous interest across multiple retailers in countries where we have no presence to sign up with tools group and uh, start creating business together and train employees on implementation or just bring us into the deal. So suddenly we're discussing deals in the Middle East and Asia that we have never been part of. Um, and on the product side, uh, I think we will talk about you now new products next time when we're close at the launch. I am very superstitious when it comes to <laughs> good. We like that. That's yes. why we like you. Yes, we're the same way. Right, but but I can tell you about something we have already done. Um, our product was created by engineers for engineers, and of course today it's increasingly used by business people, by planners, and they may have different requirements. They may want to see less functionality on the same page and more beautiful graphics. So we launched the project of redesigning the user experience and user interface. And we already uh, have a demo of how it will look like 
the new flow, the much, much more beautiful screens that our customers love and uh, sales keep asking me every day, when can we roll it out into sales? So starting with the first quarter, we'll start rolling out the new interface across the product, making it much easier to use the product and much more fun to use the product. I love what you said there too, Ineg, because just to hit this last point home is there's also a staffing issue here. I mean, having run a hundred person planning and allocation teams at Target, mm-hmm. I mean, I can remember we were turning, turning or churning, you know, depending on where they're going internally, you know, as much as you would at the store level and, yeah. you know, at the entry level jobs, I mean, we were talking 30 to 50% in certain, certain times of the year in terms mm-hmm. of your staff moving. And so, yeah, having the automation into, in the way that you're describing where anyone can just slide into it and do it and figure out how to do it is is very important. The most difficult part of automation is the process change, right? It's mm-hmm. convincing people to change the, the habits. Habit. Yeah. And the companies that have been uh, very diligent in implementing the change reap the most results and tell us that they would not be able to achieve that level of growth without the software and this level of automation. So I'm sure you can relate to the fact that we can provide the software, but still for the retailer, making the change throughout the organization is a very big undertaking. Yeah, that's why that case study about uh, the apparel retailer moving with you in six months is is pretty eye-opening, actually, because knowing how much of a of creatures of habit retailers tend to be, mm-hmm. that's a pretty big move to make, especially with a retailer of the size and scope that you mentioned. So and we'll have that case study in our show notes, too, for those of you that want to read it more closely. Yes. Ina, thank you so much for taking the time with us to share your background again for those of the audience who are listening who have not had the chance to hear from you before. Um, If people want to find out more about Tools Group, they found this conversation interesting, interesting, they want to reach out to you directly, um, what's the best way for them to do that? So there are two best ways. Either find me on LinkedIn, (laughs) where I am pretty active, and if you don't want to struggle with spelling my last name, uh, go to just send an email to ina at toolsgroup.com. Excellent. It's about as easy as it gets, yeah. That's right. It's about as easy as it gets. But yeah, it's just pretty easy to find. I think you start too. with Ina and you're, you yeah. are, yeah, it's yeah. already narrowing the list yeah. down. and Pretty yes. significantly. Yeah. And we'll spell the name for you in the podcast too. So if you're listening, <laughs> it's probably not the hardest thing to accomplish. But uh, but yeah, Ina, that was awesome. Thanks as always for uh, sitting down with us. That wraps us up today. Thanks to Ina Kuznetsova, the CEO at Tools Group for sitting down with us. And as always, to everyone out there, on behalf of all of us at Omnitalk, be careful out there.